Thursday, May 2nd, 2018, and you're listening to Last Time on Video Games, the show about retro video games and sometimes some other stuff. You're listening to episode 224. I should have been the one to fill this dull podcast with jokes! Runtime for this episode is 1 hour 18 minutes. Hello and welcome to Last Time on Video Games, the podcast that is pissed off by Naraku. My name is Jeremy. I'm stuck in purgatory. I'm Tyler. I am death incarnate. My name is Zach. So why the Inuyasha reference? Uh, because I realized Devil May Cry is Inuyasha. Oh. It's about this guy and his way, way cooler brother. The guy got all the cool stuff from his dad, where his, his dad gave the cooler brother a lame thing to teach him a lesson about how humans don't suck. And also he has a boring love interest. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, although that tracks. Although Kagome, way better than Trish. Yep. I was going to say, Kagome is like our naive character lens into the world of Inuyasha, right? Yes. So, like, that's really the only reason she's there, because she's definitely not the main character of the universe's story. Eh, Tell me why Moroku and Sango are there, and I will. Comedy relief. I mean, that works Eh, for a minute. Shippo. Who? The fox. The fox kid. Who? And remember that termite whose name I can't think of, because I'm not that I think it was a flea. Maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, the old flea guy. I remember him. It's been forever since I saw anything on that series. Yeah, I remember I'll, Shippo now that I think about it. Also, so I just was watching a video and someone made a deep cut Windscar reference and I'm like, oh, whatever happened to that show? And I read the Inuyasha wiki entry on Sashomaru because one of those characters is the best. <laughs> Didn't they release like a follow-up series called The Final Chapters? Yeah, because the anime got tired of waiting for the manga and just ended. And so after the manga was finished, they did okay. a fillerless ending to it gotcha. that was based on the manga. I mean, I feel like they saved the world and then lost it, like, multiple times. Like, they had all the Shiko and Jewel, and then it, like, broke again. No, and Naraki like... was just slowly pissing everybody off as much as he could. <laughs> I actually, Naraki was yeah. always like, I do not have enough enemies. How can I uh, torment Inuyasha's brother to ensure they will team up against me? <laughs> I actually remember, I think I read that entire series way back when. That was before I really understood that manga was a thing. Actually, no. That was before I realized I could pirate manga. So... Andre, this is not an Inuyasha podcast, it's a video game podcast, and we're going to be talking about Devil May Cry, not DMC, Devil May Cry. It's a terrible reboot name. Is it actually just called DMC? I DMC colon Devil May Cry. What does the DMC stand for? Presumably <laughs> Devil May Cry. It's the Department of Motor Chrysali, uh, for when you want to like take your hovering chrysalis out. It's it's the demonic form of the DMV. It's not as bad as Rambo 4 and Rocky 6, which are just called Rambo and Rocky. Go f*** yourselves, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> See, the I, I didn't come up with my uh, truncation for DMC or the uh, what the initials stand for because we'd have to cut the entire conversation into that, so I just didn't say anything about it. So speaking of cutting the conversation, Zach, what have you been playing this week? I've actually been playing a bunch of things in general. I The... Easy Awakening for Brawly for Do- the Dokkan battle came out, and I actually managed to pass that whole thing. A couple of them, by the skin of my teeth, Trunks was MVP. Which Trunks? All three of them. Okay. <laughs> Blue Xeno Trunks, which I nearly have rainbowed, because thank the gods, Bandai released the Hidden Potential uh, update system. So now you can just click on a node you want to activate, 
Oh, and, and it, it just follows the path. Oh, yes. I've wanted that for so long. That's almost enough to make me play Dokkan Battle they, again. They brought that in, so I did that. But it was him, my LR trunks, and then my red GT trunks. Because, strangely enough, the LR trunks, when combined with the two uh, Ultimate Gohan leaders, was taking, like, 90 damage from the level 30 Brawly. Oh, nice. So, he was Whoops. just, like, a massive... He didn't do any damage... But he was just this massive tank. Yeah, and like, tanks are actually pretty useful in a team composition in that game, so. Well, in the Broly event, you can't use items. Ah, even more important then. Yeah, so you can't use items on those Easy Awakenings. I read that they're going to release a Easy Awakening for the three Family Kamehameha characters. I would think they would be on the list, just given what they've been doing lately. But that's probably way down the line. I imagine they're going to do the original God leads, so... The Broly they already did, the Goku they already did, and then Frieza, Cell, and... Uh, wasn't it Boo? Int Gohan. Oh, Intelligence Gohan? It wasn't... Yeah. Okay, I thought it was a Cell for some reason. Cell um, is tech. I'm looking forward to the Frieza one, because the Frieza one's already out on Japan. And Red it has been my strongest team, or one of my strongest teams for a long time. But yeah, I was, I was really happy. I got hit with one of them and was just like, okay, if he supers at all, I lose. But fortunately, he didn't super on that turn, and I managed to win. What determines that? I never did it's random. that out. Okay. Uh, the ones that I was, like, the team I finally beat him with, like, level 30, was my Ultimate Gohan, my LR Trunks, my Xeno Trunks, the Red GT Trunks, the Pan, who just got her Awakening, the Honeybee Pan, for a little bit of healing, and then uh, the Bojack movie, Super Saiyan 2, Gohan. Because he gave a buff to everybody on my team except the LR Trunks didn't really which need is it. acceptable right yeah and he feel, didn't need it so i feel like xeno trunks are a type of like space swimming suit like a it's little, like a xeno suit but. yeah that, that's kind of what it works like but this one is also one that protects timelines because reasons and hangs out with a lolly king <laughs> she's not very good but i definitely have her in my box just to say that i have her because the i just want her in a chief of police costume that's all I want from this world. I want them to release a Majin 21 card in that game, but they probably won't for a while because they have all these other characters that they want to release. Man, I haven't played Fighters in a while. I should get on that. They announced you... Merge Zamasu is the next DLC character. Oh, really? Yes. So that leak is probably true. I don't remember who else was paired with Merge Zamasu. Vegito but... Blue. Ah. Okay, that one, like, those are still popular characters. It's just. The last part of that leak was base form Vegeta and base form Goku, which I was not thrilled about when I heard because those seem like Goku I could kind of see, but Vegeta seems really boring, especially because his Super Saiyan God form and his Super Saiyan form are so similar. Yeah. But other than that, like I've played a bunch of League of Legends, but I also picked up uh, MechWarrior Online. Again? Again. I, I forgot that you guys had, I, well, I had known that I played it way the hell back when this was few years ago my old account was apparently still available to me nice. i just had to sign into it so i had the thunderbolt that i got from an event and the jenner that i bought so and they just released their solaris 7 1v1 or 2v2 mode and they need some balancing on that because i before these guys came over i finished a game on that game mode where i was piloting a jenner 35 ton mech tech one that's I, like mid-weight right that's a light okay mine's got six small pulse lasers on it it's like, all right, here's this other guy piloting a mech in your division. He's piloting a Banshee. Okay, so I'm piloting a 35-ton light mech against a 95-ton assault mech who has one gun that weighs as much as all six of mine. This seems fair. Yeah, I feel like a heavy's just going to win a one-on-one -on -one encounter pretty much all the time. Depends on what it is. 
because the way the game is is designed, I actually was playing one where I was using a trial mech, which wouldn't have been my personal choice. Those are like the free mechs that they let you play. It's not very good. It's got two LBX-20s on it, and I lost to a piranha because machine guns just chewed through everything because he had like 20 of them. The game itself is pretty fun, but I mean, it's a free-to-play game, so you have to have a way for them to make money. And the way they do this is you can buy these MechWarrior credits, which lets you pay for like premium time to get more benefit, more rewards after a after a win or a loss or a game in general, I guess. To pay for mechs without having to earn enough in-game currency to purchase them, or to buy colors, which I wish those weren't locked behind them, and they're pretty expensive, like a thousand huh. of these credits for that. But progress is super slow without it because like i i started when i started playing the game again i started with like eight, eight i think i actually had like 11 million credits when i first started playing it because i had earned a bunch of credits before i stopped playing and then i guess they converted a bunch of stuff and so i got a bunch of these free uh sea bills and the mech that i've and I bought a mech because why I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll bite this light mech because the Cougar is a good light mech. And I forgot that I don't actually really like the Cougar. <laughs> well, Mech Warrior 4 was pretty good because it was like the first clan mech you could get your hands on. But the problem is the Cougar as a mech goes against like my core rules of battle tech, which is outgun anything you can't outrun and outrun anything you can't outgun. And the problem is the Cougar is rather slow for its weight class. It's a 35-ton mech that only goes about 80 kilometers an hour. Oh. When the mech I'm planning on picking up next, which is a Ryokin, costs like 11.6 million. I played 11 hours of this game, according to Steam. I have not earned enough for this mech yet. And that has a top speed of like 90-some-odd kilometers an hour. And it's bigger and carries more firepower than the Stormcrow. Huh. And God, oh man, this is probably the pettiest gripe <laughs> I've ever had with a game. I will challenge that. Go on. <laughs> what is the difference between a Thor and a Summoner? Uh, one's clan. Or one's a clan name for it, rather. Yes. And this pisses me the fuck off. All of the clan mechs use the clan designations for them. But pretty much everywhere else, like if you look it up on them for the mini site or anything like that, or here most people talk about them, they use the inner sphere names. So it keeps throwing me off. When I'm looking for a vulture and I'm trying to figure this out, and it's like, oh, by the way, it's the mad dog. Can I throttle you yet? <laughs> like, it, it, it Zach, doesn't this is have, why we need to change the metric. It has no effect on gameplay, and it's only this small subset of mechs that has this with it. But it drives me completely bonkers because I'm trying to find specific things and I know what they're called from what, you know, I've heard them referred to for years and years, and this game is the one that decided to call them all by their clan names especially the the ebon jaguar there's a little bit of battletech fluff just because i want to talk about it the ebon jaguar is a mech designed by a clan that was wiped out shortly after it was built so everyone called it by the inner sphere designation which is cauldron born okay but the game has it listed as an ebon jaguar and it ticks me <laughs> off like I said, it is probably one of the most petty gripes I've ever had with a game because it doesn't actually affect the gameplay. So are you going to call him out on it? Is that... No, that's pretty petty. I can't okay. think of... Right now, I'm sure I'll come up with something. But it is a little bit like, oh, what? You call them play in this game and not Puru? F*** you forever. This game sucks. <laughs> like I said, it is probably the pettiest gripe, but it, it is something that I keep thinking of and trying to figure it out. Like earlier today, I was playing a, a 12v12 because the base game out of this is 12v12. It's a full company-wide fight. You have a bunch of, like, skirmish, which is kill everybody else. 
in, invasion, I think, is like hold a certain amount of points, like domination in, in Call of Duty, where you have to control a certain amount of points and uh, winning team has most points or kills the other team. And then there are a couple or more. I'm not very good at this game, although I have gotten a bit better. Um, the most I've done so far is I got three kills in a game. And I did that in a blackjack with an AC-20. <laughs> that was a fun game. I was I looked at the achievement and was like, I'm probably never going to get three kills because I was happy when I got one kill, but I was sneaking up behind some guy who was standing still and just picking on him until he died. This is how I feel in every shooter I've ever played. And <laughs> I got I picked up three kills and was like, oh, cool, I got that achievement. Neat. But prog- like I said, progress is really slow. Baseline, you'll get like 100,000, 200,000 C-bills per win win will give you like 200 250,000 c bills you need for this medium mech that i'm looking at 11.6 million c bills to buy this one mech oh well you only got a couple hundred games ahead of you which is why and i mean it does give you a chance to practice with them and that's why i I looked at the mech and was like i want that ryokan variant because i like ac20s and i like medium i also like ac20s so this was like a perfect mech for me to pick up and then I noticed that one of the trial mechs, because there are four of each weight class right now. I don't know if they change or rotate or anything like that. One of the mechs was this blackjack, which has three medium lasers and an AC-20. So I tried that one out. I was like, yep, I like this mech. I'm probably going to like that Stormcrow. Um, I played a bunch of games in one of Jeremy's favorite mechs, but I don't like the variant that they picked. A catapult. I like the catapult and I like the Thor. The problem with... The, the catapult that is on this trial mech is it's uh, two LRM-15s and two SRM-6s. So it's massively ammo-dependent. Once it runs out... Yeah, d- DFA, I guess? Zach, that's called playing a catapult? <laughs> they don't have um, they don't have DFA damage in this. Like, there's no collision damage. Huh. And honestly, Jeremy, the baseline catapult, like, the good catapult has four medium lasers. I know. So it's it's actually really nasty in 3025. But honestly, if you want a big stompy robot game, MechWare Online is actually a pretty solid game. Like I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm complaining about the um, the mech credit and the slow progress, but honestly, I'm still having a lot of fun just playing with the trial mechs that they gave me to play with. And I think you can earn this mech credit, this this pay currency through one of the game modes. But I haven't been playing it. I don't know when this episode's going to come out, but. They're eventually. I've tried logging in a couple times already tonight. Um, they're going to give a free mech away for the release of the Slayer thing. All you had to do was log on and get to the Slayer client. You don't even have to play a match. You just have to get a- to the. <laughs> apparently, it's a it's a medium Uziel. Might just be they're working on it because I tried logging in like right at six when that it was like five Pacific time or PST, which should have been six o'clock here. Uh, didn't get it, so I don't know if they're rolling it out or what's going on with that, but that should come up. What else have you been playing, Zach? Like I said, a lot of League. I'm still trying to work through Super Robot Wars V for Super Robot Wars X coming out. A lot of people are saying there is no connection. I've seen the thing that you saw that says, hey, it supports save data, and but on GameFAQs, there's a guy who linked it, and a bunch of people who have played X in Japan going, I don't know, bro. I don't see anything here. I still want to finish it just because I'm so close to finishing it. Like, in the game that I'm playing, I've just got the Vang Nex, which is pretty close to being over. You get the Vang Nex, like, two-thirds of the way through the game. So I'm really looking forward to X coming out. I am super mega-duper excited because next week, Battletech comes out. That's why you're playing MechWarrior Online, I assume. In part. Because you were jonesing a bit. I was sitting there in front of my computer being like, what do I want to play? Uh... I had MechWare Online just on the desktop because I had the client from way the hell back when. I went, MechWare Online. 
There's probably a lot of updates for that that I don't want to sit through. So I uninstalled it. Then got it through Steam because it was simpler for the updates to go, so I didn't have to worry about it. It's a very tactical, like that one, rotating, taking damage on different locations. It's a lot of fun. That's why it's probably been one of the games I've been playing most, and because no one's been online. It's an easier game to play solo than like League of Legends, which I've had a lot of bad luck lately. Bad luck playing game, having bad games and all that, so I'm like, I need to cool off with something else. So... Micro Online, fun game. League of Legends, fun game. Don't get into Dokkan Battle. It'll suck away all your money. Um, and your time. I, I played a fair amount of Dokkan Battle and it never got any of my money. You got out of it before. Actually, I kept running into the space where I'm like, well, I could pay it money so I could progress. Or I could just wait. And then I, I waited too much. I've never tried to pay for progression in Dokkan Battle. It's usually because there's a unit coming out that I really want. Yeah, and that, that is progression in that game to me. I like, guess. There isn't an end game, right? Like, th- there is a power max that you can theoretically reach. They do have a lot of endgame content now. Like, they have a lot of challenging stuff now. They, Super Battle Road. Super Battle Road and the Extreme Z Awakening stuff. Which I kind of wish they'd just leave out so that people could do the different ones. So the Broly one's probably going to be gone by the time this comes out. That's true. I might do it. I I found the Extreme Z Awakenings are very good as a coffee break game, which is what I want that to be. Because they don't cost me stamina, so I don't have to worry about spending all mine and being efficient. I'm on, like, stage 15, so that's halfway. Well, I'm like I said, I'm trying to leave my hybrid Saiyans leader Gohan I- I'm using Vegeta, so. Well, I was too, and then had a lot of difficulty finding LR Goten Trunks friends, because the later stages, just Vegeta ain't gonna cut it. I saw a bunch of people suggesting Devilman if you had him, because he has a passive. Like, his passive occasionally lets him just nuke and kill something. Insta-kill things. That's nice. Like, he'll, he'll just insta-kill somebody, and it works against Broly. I'm using double Vegeta and then all half Saiyans that are blue, so I've been good so far. You might have shot then. I just, like, Vegeta kept getting the crap kicked out of him whenever I tried that, but that might have been because I was also using Caulifla and Vegito as part of my team. But, I don't know. What else have you been playing then, Jeremy? I played a ton of the assignment. This is the first assignment I've beat in a really long time. I don't remember the last one. No, was it uh, Uncharted Waters? No, it's been since then. Oh, okay. I beat Sonic 2, I beat... Something I've been going through our old episodes, and I've beaten a bunch since then, but it's been a while. I fired up Wind Waker last night and played a bit of that. Oh, man. I'm at a kind of relaxing spot in Wind Waker. I'm at the spot where I think it expects me to just sail around doing side quests until I bump into plot progression, <laughs> which is, like, nice for playtime. Does it even tell you where plot progression yeah, I is? Feel like, I feel like it's always obvious where you need to go. Well, okay, game, it kind but... of. It, it's got two spots marked on the map. It's like, this is where you need to go next. But both of them require items that I don't have to progress. But there's a mechanic in Wind Waker where there are these little fish that you can give bait, and they will fill out your map and like give you a hint about the area. And clearly you have to fill out the entire map. Well, yes. Like... And so I was just sailing around like just to fill out the map. And on both spots, it's like, hey, if you go to this spot, there's a thing. And like if you go into that spot and give the fish there, he'll say, hey, go here and there's a thing. And then that's where the progression thing is. Oh, okay. So it kind of is, but like you have to search for it. It's pretty obvious, but like it wasn't immediately. Like you do have to take steps. But it's stuff I was finding fun and doing anyway. It didn't throw down the objective marker saying, hey, go here, you idiot. Well, well it did, but you go there and you're like, oh, you can't go through here. But your boat is like, hey, maybe get some information about this and try to figure it out. I'm pretty sure this is where they intend you to do side quest stuff, though, because I've had to kind of go all over the map to get the stuff. 
And I find, like, I think I played through Wind Waker three times now, and, it, like, there's definitely a point where you hit where, like, I just want to go exploring the entire world. Although so. I'm not really sure how I was supposed to figure out I have to get the fast travel and I have to fast travel to this location. So, but I assume that if I went to that location without fast traveling, the fish would have told me that. Yeah, I think it actually mentions, like, there's an island there. I sure wonder how you get up there. If only a tornado could drop you in. Okay, that, that would be pretty obvious. I've actually wanted to go over there and talk to the fish just to see what he says. To see if it's a sufficient hint. But, I mean, it is obvious if you have the fast travel, because it's the one place you can fast travel to if you don't have it filled out on the map. And oh, really? It, yeah. And but, it dumps you, like, in a pond inside of, like, a crater thing that you can't actually get into otherwise, so. Hmm. And that's where you get the fire and ice arrows. And then you have to go to Ice Island and melt it, and Fire Island and freeze it. Because you can freeze fire. That's how that works. Really? That's how that works? It's lava, a, yeah, to be fair, not fire. But they just call it Fire Island, because Lava Island sounds lame. Oh no, Lava Island sounds pretty cool. I like it. It actually flows better than Fire Island. It doesn't sound as menacing, though. Yes, it does. It does indeed flow better than Fire Island. Uh, I see what you did there, and I approve. And better than Magma Island, too. So what have you been playing, Tyler? Not a whole lot. I've been playing mostly Get My Ass Kicked by Work, so that's a fun game. Difficult game, though. It is. It's a difficult game. See, I've been playing that game, too, but with the mandate of no overtime, so... (laughs) (laughs) So while I'm there, it's kicking my ass real hard, but... I'm actually Once su- I leave, there's not much you can do. I'm actually a little surprised. I didn't hear from, I haven't heard at all anything from my uh, HR person. HR for person. Getting overtime my, and skipping my lunch. hour of overtime and skipping lunch one day. That's because you don't have a union. I was say, I work overtime, but I don't, uh, I don't technically have overtime. Well, you're salaried, salaried, aren't you? So. Yeah. That lets work kick your ass a lot more. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. The upshot of that is I've been listening to a lot more podcasts. I'm like almost done with the Adventure Zone. Well, the first arc of the Adventure Zone. For the first story, where he gets very persona at the end. Yes, yes. I like so, I was listening to the, the uh, final boss fight, which is about as far as I got, and it was like halfway through the last episode. And I'm like, oh god damn, this is the most Final Fantasy ass nonsense. Like, and then Griffin's like, you guys didn't didn't expect me not to do a Final Fantasy boss fight at the end of this, right? <laughs> I'm like, well, at least at least he's self aware enough to realize where it comes from. Uh, Podcasts and audiobooks are great for working through yeah they're not so great for me because i have to do like a lot of read reading and cogitation and like so it's it's very rare that i actually have the ability to listen to a podcast because either i'll miss the podcast or i'll miss my work and it's it's not it does seem like music is more ideal for yeah no it's generally more music but uh, like i've had a lot of like i need to run a thing and now i I need to wait a half hour compiling is yeah, no, actually, in the in the modern ages of the future, we have incremental compilations, so you don't actually have have the excuse of my codes compiling anymore. Ah. So, yeah. Sounds like that sucks. No, not, not particularly. I have had the excuse of my, my code is running, and it takes three hours to do anything. So, that is why I've been listening to podcasts. The other thing I started listening to, actually just today, is Alice Isn't Dead which I've been meaning to for a while. It's another thing produced by the people who do Night Vale, and it's pretty good. I really like it. I'm only on episode four, but they're, like, way shorter format. Oh, did you ever, um... Sorry, did you ever actually read Ready Player One, or did you just go see the movie? No, I just saw the movie. Oh, yeah, that's a thing that we never talked about, I think. It it was a, it was an okay movie. You might want to read the book. I mean, you. I think you might enjoy the book. I've heard that, and, like, my father-in-law has recommended it, and my girlfriend has recommended it, and, like... One of the guys I work with, Mark, there we go, has recommended it. So Starts out really slow, but does pick up a bit better. I assume you finished it by now. Okay. I finished Zach it is a long time ago. The audience. I, I finished that before you went and saw the movie, actually. 
Um, the the only video game really I've been playing, I was actually like looking through my Steam recently played history, and like the only thing on the list was like a round of Slay the Spire I played. Like, did you Slay the week. Spire? No, I did not on the most recent. I one. saw you pop up and was like, "Hey, Tyler's online. I wonder if he fixed his computer." And then decided not to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, my computer mostly works, except when it's playing videos for some reason. Don't know why that is. Alex has actually been using it to play Gemcraft. She got the Gemcraft itch. So she went and beat all of Gemcraft in like a day and is now working on Chapter Zero. So Chapter pro- Zero? Yeah. It's it, the Gemcraft prequel. Yeah, it was the first game that released after the original. And then there's one more after that, I think. I can't remember what it's called. I thought Gemcraft was like Candy Crush. No, no. No, it's a tower defense game. Yeah, no, it's, it's oh. I think, one of the best tower defense games, actually. I like it quite a lot. I like Wintermall. Wintermall's good, too. They're Classic. pretty different. You don't maze in Gemcraft. Yeah, you like, you're given a uh, pre-built route in Gemcraft, and you have to figure out how to use your resources. In Gemcraft, the towers are all pre-built, but you decide what kind of towers they are, basically. Hmm. But, like, with the a little bit of random set. elements tossed in. I like Wintermall. <laughs> Classics. Look, Wintermall's good. Yeah, that, that might actually be a fun side thing to do sometime when we need bonus content. It's like random Flash games. That's not a Flash game. Well, Wintermall is. Well, yeah, no, Wintermall is. Not. No, oh. I'm just thinking of like all the random Flash games. Oh, okay, I, I thought you thought Wintermall was a Flash no, it's game. It's a Warcraft it 3 not. map. Yeah. That's like Flash game plus one. I've played that one. I was not very good at it. That sounds like you and all strategy games, to be entirely honest. Yeah. I just don't have the micro. I can't do it. I don't either. I'm just a step above you. <laughs> you don't need to micro in Wintermall. You don't. That's what you think. You don't have enough money to need to micro in Winter Mall. Speaking of strategy games, though, I found out recently, and I'm sure this has been out for, like, years, that there is a Lords of Waterdeep mobile app. So that's what I've been doing at work when I, I have, was like, actually five minutes. really surprised when you asked about that, because I knew that was a thing. I just didn't care. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Waterdeep quite a bit, and I've needed a new thing to do on my phone, so. Do you play the- against AI? I have only played against the AIs so far. You can play either locally or over wireless in like an asynchronous manner with humans. Isn't there a Dominion one too, or is that not a thing anymore? Uh, there is an official Dominion app. It is terrible. Yeah, my rec- recollection is it was very, very bad. The bootleg one, I, I say bootleg one, the open source one that got a cease and desist, which means they can no longer actually publish on the... Uh, very, app store? Yeah, on the actual app stores. It's still under active development, and they do publish an APK on their GitHub page that you can just download and install. And that actually supports Netplay, too. It's actually quite good. Yeah, so. the, the bootleg one I played that came out before the official one was very good. Is it the same one? Maybe. That it's... used all the original art from the art that the uh, developer made before he got actual art. Uh, no, this one so actually... So it's like all random clip art and like <laughs> internet images of farms and what's, like. what's wrong with the with the official app um do you remember enough to say or yeah like animations that you cannot skip and like you have to grind forever to unlock expansions and they'll give you a bunch of like really unbalanced scenarios to play yeah, against. it has like a campaign that you had to go through that wasn't very good i recall like there's way too like, much fluff on top of at it. every level it was not fun oh and when all you want to do is play a game of dominion you don't yeah. need all that extra crap yeah pretty much and, like, the, the version I play is, like, uh, technically you can download art for it. I play Bare Bones. It's just, like, the card name on the field. And if you long click it, it'll bring up a description. It's really Bare Bones, super fast, super lightweight. So this Lords of Waterdeep one, is that the official release of that, or is yeah. that another bootleg? No, this one's the official release. Um, it is $10, which is more than I would normally pay for a game like that. But I had a bunch of free Google Play money laying around because I do Google Rewards. So I just picked it up on a whim. 
and it's been a lot of fun. I sucked the first three games, and now I win every game consistently against the hardest AI after like eight games. So I'm not very good at that game. I wasn't, but I think that's only because I hadn't played a whole lot. Now that I have, it's... And I wouldn't spend that much money on a mobile game. Yeah, no, normally I wouldn't, but I had free money laying around. Yeah, Zach wouldn't spend $300 on a mobile game. Oh, wow. No, only fair, 300 that, that wasn't the upfront price, right? No, that was the <laughs> that, that was the you're a sucker price. That's how they get you. Actually, I, I spent like $7 on Don Machi, but that was because it was like, hey, here, here's the $7 thing where we give you a bunch of stamina and rewards right off the bat i'm like yeah yeah why not it's only this much i'm i'm getting a lot more out of that i'm not gonna pay any more for this but this one time thing is like yeah yeah whatever because it's like a 30 day it was like a 30 day hey you get all this other stuff too so like, yeah why not so i haven't been playing a lot of video games but i've been talking about a lot of video games at work which has been weird that's interesting yeah, that doesn't happen very often. Of course, you talk to people at work, don't you? Yeah, I do. I, I don't talk to people at work. I feel like with. my job is talking to people at work. Actually, I spent like two hours a day just helping some guy fix his computer or actually fix his development environment. And like, that's what I do at work. That's my job. Your tech I guess. support? I, yeah, I'm like, I'm high tier tech support. I do tech support for people who know how to program accidentally. I guess also I program. I, I like design documents and I help people make their run and that's my job so the title that we gave you on the discord is the correct one yeah i mean that's that's not inaccurate i do technically work in it technically i just mostly think really hard about how to make other people code that's my job i think about how other people should do their jobs have any interesting conversations about video games you want to share i like waxed eloquent about a had in time recently um, which i still think is a game worth picking up I still think that was... Like, I saw that was like, that's going to be a Tyler game. It's it's a very Tyler game, to be fair. The main antagonist is a little girl in a red hood who's a kung fu master and has a Fu Manchu. It it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's great. (laughs) I can't remember what the heck else we were talking about. Stick fighters? Maybe just stick man? I can't Mm -hmm. remember. It's a stick figure game. One of my coworkers was saying that he accidentally lost like 12 hours overnight to it. So, presumably it's good. All right, then. Speaking of things that don't make a lot of sense, the assignment this week... (laughs) was Devil May Cry, the Capcom game that at the time of launch was considered one of the greatest of all time because no one knew how to make a 3D action game in the early 2000s. They're like, we only have one console generation of this stuff so far. No one knows how to do it. Yeah, and clearly neither did these guys. There'll, there'll be swords. It'll be cool, we promise. Gun swords. No, no, not gun swords, but guns nope. and swords. Yeah, say so guns and swords. Gun swords are entirely different. Gun sword is an entirely different media. It's an anime. Is there an, actually an anime called Gunsword? Yes. I was thinking Final I Fantasy VIII, uh, where gun swords are, or gun blades, I think they they're actually called, called gun blades, gun blades um, are like a an extremely niche weapon category. And of course, the main character wields one. Well, that's because they give you a DNAP, and they give you health uh, back every time you damage somebody. Wait. Not a whole lot of people vampiric? need that. Yeah. Huh. I didn't know they were vampiric. They're uh hand wavy explanation for why gun blades work is not because you actually shoot a bullet out which you do um it's because it vibrates the blade and therefore it cuts things better that's how it, physics it's a vibro blade exactly it's a vibro blade that works with guns <laughs> no worse than a chainsword i guess which is basically just a weaponized chainsaw so devil may cry started development as resident evil 4 but midway through four, de- i thought it was three no this would have been four three was already oh. out i knew it was a resident evil sequel initially but midway through development, they thought it was too action-oriented, which is very ironic if you played Resident Evil 4. <laughs> to be fair, it, Resident Evil 4 is not 
as action oriented as you're not as mobile i'll say that i've said and then they tried again and they did it again they're like well damn it i guess we ship it now (laughs) oops all the action now it's on toasters yeah but resident evil 4 is considerably better than this game i was gonna say i don't agree but i do resident evil 4 is, is very very good Resident Evil 4 is actually a contender for greatest of all time. So Devil May Cry starts with a Star Wars-esque text scroll telling you the background, which is basically there is this bad guy called Mundus from the demon realm, uh, but Sparta, who is another demon, betrayed him and sealed him away in the underworld. And then Sparta decided he needed to have two kids. And then question mark, question mark, question mark. Sparta's dead. Demons die of old age too. It just takes him a while. And I think that's all the text scroll says. Pretty much. There'll be swords. It'll be cool. You'll like it, we swear. So Dante is one of Sparta's sons who runs a freelance demon-slaying business-slash-detective agency. Yeah, which is it? Called Devil May Cry. I'm pretty sure it's a demon-slaying business, but they treat it 100% like he's just a noir detective. Yeah, he's got like his feet up on the table. And like... well, and then a hot chick wanders in. And starts wanders she, in. She uh, crashes through his front no, door. No, she doesn't crash. She throws the motorcycle. She ramps into his agency on the motorcycle first. She had legs as long as lightning bolts. And she was just as dangerous. <laughs> because she, she came in literally with a crash throw lightning bolts. <laughs> she later throws the motorcycle. I'm not really good with metaphor. It's not my strong suit. <laughs> so anyway, this chick that we're told later looks just like Dante's mother comes in and she's like, hey, I just wanted to test you by blowing up your business establishment to see if you're a bad enough dude to save the world. That dude that your father sealed away is back, and he's on Castle Island. We gotta go stop him. And Dante's like, all right, let me just pull my sword out of my chest real quick. Does the island actually have a name? It's Mallet Island. Yeah, no one's gonna remember that. Castle Island. <laughs> Resident Evil Island. Oh, that explains it is an evil so residence. much. I didn't even think of it. Oh, that's a perfect Resident Evil setting, Yes, too. yes, it is. Evil residents on a castle in the middle of freaking nowhere. Yeah, no, that'd be great. That makes a lot more sense all of a sudden. So you go to Resident Evil Island. Trish is like, I have to f*** off. You go in alone. <laughs> yeah, where does she go? Does that ever explain? Oh, she's uh, she's evil all along. Uh, well, like, yes. Twist that but... doesn't make sense, number one. This was all a trap for you. The bad guy hired you to come kill him so he could kill you. But he doesn't question actually mark, need you mark? nearby to resurrect. No. Like if, if he needed Dante nearby in order to resurrect himself, that would make a little bit more sense. Yes, it would. But he just like invited the one guy who could stop him. He, he has one of the people who can stop him in his employ. Spoilers. And the other person, he's like, hey, get over here. Hang out. It'll be fun. I hired a spider to try to murder you. Wait, did he hire the spider? What, what does spiders accept payment in? Flies. Something, Big flies. House of flies. So, anyway. Yeah. The story of this game is not very good. It doesn't tell you where you need to go, and it doesn't accomplish what a video game story needs to, which is make you want to know what happens next. I mean, to be fair to not telling you where you need to go, I blundered my way to success through most of this. So, like, it is very blunderable, so you can succeed by not knowing what you're doing, but it is not satisfying. Certainly, but I beat this game. Most of this game, I was like, why am I doing this? Why did I go to this weird ghost pirate ship outside the castle? Okay, now I need to go back to the castle? Why? Because set pieces, Jeremy. So you you can need do, more of them. You can do set pieces while letting people know why they're doing something. Nah. Although, to be fair, the story very rarely comes up, so it's very rarely in your way. But this game has 22 missions and I think 8 cutscenes. That sounds about right. And it never delivers story in anything but cutscenes. So anyway, uh, Trish I mean, is secretly a bad guy. 
she betrays you. Don says, you look like my mother, but you're nothing like her. Your soul is nothing but darkness. Just like my mother's. <laughs> Wait, what? What? <laughs> Never see me again. And then five minutes later, Trish dies. And Dante's like, no! no! I wish I could be the one to fill your dark soul with light! <laughs> <laughs> the writing is very good. <laughs> okay. Dante's but, a little bit mental. But then uh, it turns out she was fine. And you kill Mundus. And escape on a plane. And then she becomes your sidekick and even uses that word and it doesn't work. And the final cutscene is you're at a new place called Devil Never Cry. That's the first terrible. One was better. That's just terrible. Devil May Cry is such a. Oh, oh it's you... because earlier I skipped this part because it's bad writing. But she's, he tells Trish that she's not a demon because devils never cry. And she says tears and only humans can cry. I don't think that's canonical. I, th- I think that spider cries when you're killing it. So. <laughs> the logo for his agency, The Devil May Cry, has a person that looks surprisingly like Trish as the logo for some reason. Yep. Well, it's because Trish looked like his mother. Well, also, question mark, question mark, question mark, is dead. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of question marks that don't really need to be answered, but, like, it'd be nice. Well, the thing is, those hey, question Virgil. marks... There's Virgil. The, oh, yeah. The question marks are the linking points to make this make sense. Because, like, you look at a lot of some of the other stories and video games, there are question marks... But they're not question marks on important linking points. Like, uh, To be fair, it's not really important why Dante's dad is dead. That's just so Dante has to be the one to do stuff. Why do you bring the one person who can stop you to your evil castle thing is pretty Profit. confusing. It, it is explained as, well, I was going to murder him here. I'm going to have to murder him somewhere. It might as well be in, in my, my castle base. Castle. Yeah. But... As It'd a, that's be actually, so much easier to just show up at his place of business with all of your bosses at the same yeah, time. And, and, and yeah, roll have in. all of them throw motorcycles in. <laughs> Wiley should just invite Mega Man to his castle at the beginning of the game. <laughs> just like My uh, criticism of the story is not really its writing or even its sub-snake, do you think love can bloom even on the battlefield level of writing <laughs> and voice acting? It's that it doesn't accomplish what the story needs to do, which is make you want to play the game to see what happens next. This game is actually very good at having different sorts of gameplay, but only one of them is actually any fun. So instead of breaking up the different types, that just kind of makes you wish you were doing the fun one, which to be fair, would not be super fun if you were just doing that for three hours or whatever the length of this game is. Are you talking about the combat? I am. But because all the other stuff is just frustrating, it really doesn't. Yeah, especially like you boot up this game, you you chug along a little bit, then you discover that the primary antagonist that you're going to have to be battling with throughout the entire game isn't Mundus or his bosses. It's the cameraman. Hey, whoa, whoa. Get some perspective, Zach. No. The cameraman is the primary antagonist of this game. He made a camera joke. Yeah, that, that was the joke. I know. It was okay. reasonably funny. Um, <laughs> you just decided to ignore it. I so, know. It's like, fine. like I do with most of your jokes. <laughs> so like the Resident Evil series before 4, this has fixed camera angles, which does work for making the castle look creepy. But while you can argue that there were benefits to it in the Resident Evil games... By this point, we have the technology to do free camera a lot better. And when you're doing the action stuff, it really just It inhibits what you're trying to do because you can't see what you're trying to do it to. In a horror game like the Resident Evil games, where you're trying to remove some agency from the players because you're trying for a horror aesthetic, when you have a protagonist like Dante who can be stabbed through the chest, have no problems whatsoever, and is trying... Like, you're trying to portray this guy as this massive badass. Taking 
taking agency away from the players by not letting them see what they're trying to fight is frustrating. Like, I mentioned I played through and beat Dark Souls 3. And that game is really, really, really hard. But there's one thing I knew and I never had to worry about, and that was trying to fight against the camera. I knew where the boss was. And that was what I was struggling with the most when I got to the, when I was trying to fight anything in this game, was trying to find where it was. More than that, the combat in Resident Evil is kind of supposed to be avoided. You have lock-on targeting, so even if the enemy you can't see, it's still pretty easy to hit them. The real risk is in you're going to run out of bullets before you can kill this thing, so it's better to avoid it. Devil May Cry's combat, we'll get to it in a minute, it emphasizes not getting hit above everything else and continuing to press on your offense while avoiding your enemy's blows. That's really hard to do when you can't see the enemy. Yeah, because it's really easy to string together really nice combo things and then get hit by something thrown by an enemy that was off screen and you had no way of knowing was there. You know what's actually really nice about playing this game? Actually, never mind. I'll save it for final thoughts. Never mind. Forget I said anything. All right, so do we want to get into the combat system then? I actually think it works pretty well. There are two major complaints I have about it. But they're both things Devil May Cry 3 fixes, so I kind of wonder if it's just playing that game more and being familiar with them. I think the the combat system is okay, but it's kind of kneecapped, again, going back to the camera. You lose a lot of the ability to string together combos and things like that in a lot of the aspects of this game because you can't see what you're doing. So I tried to generally avoid a lot of the combat once I picked up the shotgun and just started street sweeping my way to victory with that thing. Because at least early on, you're in a lot of narrow corridors. So the shotgun just murders things so efficiently, you don't actually have to engage with them. My biggest complaint, well, actually, maybe not my biggest complaint. One of my complaints with the combat is actually there's like too many variety of moves that all feel the same when you execute them. That's certainly true. Some of the uh, motions you have to do, like the slide back to forward for the stinger. Like, I never did get that consistently. Really? Like, yeah. that's a camera problem, I think. With the stinger, all you have to do is press away from Dante and the attack button. Okay, maybe that is not the move I'm thinking of. There's one where you have to slide from back to forward and attack. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, okay. Never mind. It, it's like a launching attack. Yeah, that's the one where you launch them into the air like you hit your sword, like, from the... I'm trying to describe it now, and I don't have no idea how to. <laughs> Where you, like, put your sword under them to slash them up into the air and launch them. That, that one. might be the one I'm thinking I mean, of. I mean, because that's just, you have to press the stick towards Dante's back and attack. Okay. Well, maybe they just did a bad job explaining to me what it was that I needed to do. Well, that's a fair criticism. The controls are all in the pause menu. You can go and see them. But the game is bad about telling you that. But to defend the combat in this game a little bit, because I actually think it's pretty good. It's definitely the most fun thing about the game. It's not just button mashy. You have melee attacks and ranged attacks. You have different melee combos depending on the cadence of your button presses. It doesn't super matter which ones you do, but in certain situations, different ones are going to be better. If there's a lot of enemies, then the like kind of standard tapping gives you a lot of really wide arcs. If there's just one, slowing down a little will stab a whole bunch of times in front of you to take on just one enemy without giving you like a range of coverage. My favorite strategy generally is knock them up into the air, jump up with them, and then just juggle them forever. That's a lot of fun. Plus, it gives you time to, like, plan out a strategy for how to deal with the rest of the things in the room. Shotgun. Yeah, going to the shotgun, you have two different kinds of weapons in this game. Melee weapons, of which there are very few. Really only two, although there are kind of five. It's really just sword and gauntlets, because all the swords pretty much play the same. But you also have five different ranged weapons that you can grab throughout the game. 
You start with these pistols, which are pretty weak, but very rapid fire, and they slow your descent if you're firing them in the air. You also have a shotgun, which is one of my favorite tools in the game, because in addition to acting like a shotgun, it will knock most enemies over. And so you can use it very much as a crowd control, which you unfortunately kind of need to do due to the camera. But you can make sure all your enemies are knocked down by firing the shotgun and then go in and just kind of duel single enemies. And because the shotgun has a cooldown, basically, between shots, it becomes about getting your sword slashes in between knocking down your enemies with the shotgun and I noticed, to do as much damage as you can. I noticed that the shotgun also uh, tended to penetrate enemies that were guarding. Yep. Or it was just weird timing. No, that like, does. That's it'll, actually it'll a block thing it one of them, but if, if, but if you fire two shells into them, it'll penetrate the guard and knock them over. It's got a lot of utility. It's also really good against, there are these bug enemies later on that are like small and there are a bunch of them flying around, but because it's a shotgun, it will scatter and shoot a bunch of them at once. It's a very cool tool. One of my criticisms of this game is that most of the guns end up just feeling kind of like the shotgun though. The handguns feel very, very different, your starting weapon, but the next gun you get is a grenade launcher which just feels like a more powerful, slightly longer cooldown version of your shotgun because it has most of the same effects. A little bit of radius, does a lot of damage, knocks enemies down, goes through guards. Does it have longer range? It does, but like I said, it just feels like a powered-up one. Once you get it... no scatter, so like if that's effective on, if you lose it. I mean, I, I, I wanted to ask about the range, but I never felt like the shotgun was out of range, but that might have been just because I was in claustrophobic corridors for most of my playtime. Well, no, there is no limit to the effective range of the shotgun. It just, like, does drop off in damage. You also get a needle gun, which is only used for the underwater segments that suck. <laughs> They're not, like, terrible underwater segments. It, they just feel really tacked on. You swim around, you shoot people with a needle gun, you move on. Yeah, oops, we made a 3D platformer. I guess we need a water level. And then there's the laser gun, which is kind of interesting because it uses up your devil trigger gauge. And but because will, of that, I basically never used it. But it bounces around and, like, can hit enemies in the back, which is really useful for a couple. There are a couple bosses you can basically insta-kill with it if you bounce it in the right way, which is pretty cool. And like, but it's a fun thing to use, especially in the narrow corridors that he gets stuck in a lot. And the other thing I really like about this combat system is the devil trigger mechanic, which is something you get about 5% of the way through the game. You don't start with it. But basically, once you start to get a handle on combat, they give you the lightning sword, which lets you use it. And there also is later a gauntlet weapon that has a different devil trigger. Basically, as you attack, you fill up a meter that is measured in runes. And once you have three of them, you can transform into a demon form, which is a lot more powerful, has a lot more action options. With the sword, you're faster and able to jump higher and a lot more mobile. And with the gauntlets, you're tankier and take less damage and you deal more damage. Huh. That's that's with that sword. Okay. I didn't even realize that I picked up that devil trigger when I picked it up. Did you use the Devil Trigger at all in the game? I did use it against the boss that I okay. a couple of times, but I, I wasn't entirely sure what was charging it and like how, how that all came ba up. Basically so. just attacking. And yeah. melee attacks charge it faster than ranged attacks, but both will do it. And, and the more style points you get, the faster it goes So up. dealing damage, basically, yes. is yep. what charges Dealing damage it. without getting hit. And I really like it, because I've talked before about games that have moments of power and moments of weakness, and you're not really weak when you're not using the Devil Trigger. But you get so much stronger when you are using it because you have the regenerating health. You basically become the dominant force on the field, but it's got a very limited time. And the more like powerful Devil Trigger moves you use while Devil Triggering, the faster you expend it. So you have the choice of basically trying to maintain it to regenerate for a long time and just keep your power longer or trying to kill all the enemies at once very quickly with it, which creates a very fun move in my opinion. It really adds a dynamic element to the combat system. 
uh, which is why I like it so much. It's not nearly as good as it gets in, say, Devil May Cry 3, but it makes up for it. Unfortunately, the camera does get in your way sometimes, especially early on. Most of the time. Well, it really feels to me like about halfway through this game, they realized what game they were making, and they started creating a lot more open combat areas and areas where the camera isn't, like, shifting every two seconds. That was why I wasn't using Devil Trigger more often when I was using it against that boss is because I used it a couple times and got punished because I couldn't see the tells because the camera was so bad. And when you're in Devil Trigger, you really want to push, so... And so I fell back and just chipped away with my handguns. I mean, against that first boss, we'll talk about him in a minute, I used the Devil Trigger just to regenerate HP, basically. For me, it was like, oh, I can regen some. This is a life bar. I didn't, I didn't realize that it recovered HP. It's kind of subtle if you're not paying attention for it. I actually did not realize that the first time I was playing this game. I didn't realize it recovered my HP, or else I probably would have done the same thing Jeremy did. All right, so this game has basically a currency and or an experience in the form of red orbs. They're hidden in areas that are kind of hard to navigate to on the map, or the main way to get them is by killing enemies. Bosses drop a lot of them. Yeah, say in the non-combat elements are hidden in vases and stuff that you can interact with. A little with. bit like uh, Rupees for Link. You yep. wreck anything that can be wrecked, and you will, you can and you usually get rewards. orbs. Uh, the orbs get be used between missions. This game has a weird... One of the weird things about this game, where you can tell it started as something else, is it has basically level-based missions, and you can save between missions, and they're kind of what your checkpoints are. But it also has this castle you're wandering around in, and you like kind of backtrack. It's got this real weird hybrid between the kind of 3D platformer, navigate the space, and the more traditional linear action game that is very interesting in the end. It comes into play in a very cool way at the end of the game, but for the most part, it just kind of feels confused. Well, yeah, when you're wandering around Resident Evil Castle for most of the game. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's... The missions aren't that long, so it felt like it was on a weird... It was like riding the light rail when you're in town. So it's like every 10 seconds, okay, the light rail is departing the station, the light rail is arriving at the station, and you're like, this is going to take I forever. Did we just get here? Like, didn't we just leave? I think that's necessary because of the continue system, which ties into the red orbs. Between levels, you can use the red orbs either to unlock new moves, which can be used at all times, or some of them are really powerful devil trigger moves. Or you can use it on consumables, and continues are one of your consumables. So if you die without a continue, you have to start over from your save, which is usually at the start of the mission. If you have a continue, you start basically in the room before you're currently in, like right at the door ready to go in. So I think it's the shortness of the missions is to kind of deal with that system, because you can be in a situation where you can't have any continues if you're really bad at this game. Or you could have just designed the game so that you don't have limited continues. Yeah. You're not trying to steal my coins. I already paid you the money. Give me the... Let me try just play the game. But then you could have just made the checkpoints the mission things. Like, I yep. feel like it's the same. A weird, frustrating thing I had with this game where there were missions where I was like, oh, I died, but it's not worth using a continue here. So I want to have the option to say, no, I don't want to continue and I don't have it. <laughs> So I just have to reset the game and load my save, which is a real weird feeling. I do like the idea of continues as a consumable. They're kind of almost like health potions in a way. It's kind of like saves as a consumable Uh, in in Resident Evil games. I don't think it works. I like the idea. I think this is the proof that it's a bad one, but I I like that they tried it. I hate the idea as a thing because, again... Playing games like Dark Souls where they are really, really hard, what they're able to do that because because there's not a limited continue or anything like that you can beat your head against any particular boss as long as you want you're not going to be punished for it really dark souls punishes you for not being able to get to where you just got 
that's the thing that Dark Souls is yeah, they, they encourage repeatability, right? Yeah. If you, like, kind of fluke out and get way further than you normally can and can't repeat it, that's what Dark Souls punishes, which is an interesting behavior to punish. Uh, it basically punishes you for not being consistent in kind of the same way, but it's kind of like horse. You get the chance to repeat yourself afterwards, not before. I like the idea of, you know, getting good at a game in order to be able to do repeat that thing instead of, yeah, well, you only have a limited amount of tries at this. Yeah, but I think because of the mission system, it kind of fixes that because you're not going that far back, even if you do use up all your tries. Like they're, they're almost not game. even worth having. Frankly. Yeah, I would actually be fine with this game if it just didn't have the continue system at all. If it just started you back at the mission. Or like, Other than it having that really awkward PS1 slash early PS2. Hey, you died. Go back to the save screen and load your save <laughs> and see nine cool loading screens on your way to the start of the mission. That's the only part of it that really annoys me. Or like, this is kind of cheating because it's basically the same game. The way Bayonetta does it is it just penalizes you for using a continue by decrementing your score at the end of a mission. Yeah, and I like that more too. I don't think this is a great system. I just think it's not actually a system that impedes the game much. Because, like I said, if it just wasn't there at all, you have the option of just not buying any continues. And I think the game plays pretty much fine because of the mission system, if that's what you do. That is what I decided was better to do. It's just because this game gets sort of, the missions get shorter as you go on and even more bite-sized, I got to the point where I didn't even die. It doesn't really get in the way. I just don't like the system on principle more yeah. than anything else. No, it's else. not a good idea, but I'm glad they tried it. <laughs> so, so we know that it's not a good idea. Well, they already yeah. tried something like that in Resident Evil, and we already knew it wasn't a good idea. Well, that's that's similar. It's a slightly different idea. It's kind of a different take on a similar idea. Variations on a theme. I mean, I, gu- the I guess that- I like it as a challenge mode, but not as a baseline, because I think death... I think, um... I think Dead Space is like highest tier difficulty. You only get a limited amount of saves. But I don't remember. It's been a while since I looked at that. Uh, the thing I really don't like is there are also a couple doors in the game that can only be opened by red orbs. There's one at the very beginning, which is just to make sure you know how to move around to collect enough red orbs to open it. But there are a few more in the game. There are never so many that you have to grind. In fact, every single one I had just in the previous room earned more red orbs than I needed to go through this door. Which is probably the intention. Yeah, but it just, it's weird to use your experience as a currency for advancement, too. Especially when you already have, like, go find the key or go find this thing. Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about the terrible puzzles yet. No, I talked about this game having sort of that 3D wander around thing and also the story being kind of confused. Most of the missions are, hey, go get this key you need. And this game has a bunch of Resident Evil air quote puzzles which are puzzles for Dante, like, oh, there's three holes in this thing. What do I do? <laughs> but for the player, it's just get a trident. Apply lo- trident to holes. Like, I love imagining Dante, like, sitting there, like, actually puzzling his eyes. I was like, oh, what do I do with this? I found one where it was like, use the scepter. And I got the scepter and was like, where the hell do I put this? And then eventually I was just wondering, because I, I was kind of annoyed, I clicked on the thing that gave me the sword because I'm like, there's a statue, there's a door here, maybe there's something related. This guy looks like he's asking for something. Use the stick. Yeah. Yes, use the stick, I guess. And Oh, I open the door. I okay. feel smart. Every single puzzle in the game is like that. They get a little more obvious as they go on. That's probably the most obtuse well, one. The one that I think there was one that was like, I had to figure out how to open a door and it took me like 20 minutes to figure out how to open this trap door. And I think I did it by taunting. I pushed like the taunt button and the door opened. I don't remember that. Well, you have to move like the sarcophagus and there's a trap door underneath you. 
I don't know if it was just I, mean, I wasn't this standing This all sounds like stuff. I just don't remember any of it. A little bit of this game's problem. Like, it's got this cool quasi-anime aesthetic, but, like, everything's so grimdark. Yeah, it's and... like the lighting is bad. It makes yeah. it hard to tell where you're supposed to be going. It kind of it adds to the atmosphere, certainly, but... It kind of has also has the side effect of making everything kind of feel the same, so it's like a blur of wander around confusing corridor until there's combat. Yeah, it's really the thing I hated most about this game was navigating around. And that was a lot of that was because of the camera angles not showing me where the door was. I keep comparing it to Dark Souls, but because they do share a few aesthetics like the castle and all that, they didn't really do enough of a good job, I think, at least in this one. But maybe it was because I didn't get far enough into the game. Because the first area is just like kind of boring castle corridors. Does that change? Do you ever encounter something other than boring castle corridors and maybe underwater? Yeah, there's like a big open stretch in the middle of the game. It's not super interesting either, to be fair, but it is a change of scenery. There's like a canyon that's misty that you go through at one point. There's a pirate ship that's actually kind of cool that you get on. The entire time I was like, what am I doing here? But (laughs) certainly there are more locales for you to go through. And like Um, there are portions of the castle that look cooler. They get kind of Castlevania-y at some point with like stained glass windows. But And I talked about the geography of the thing coming into play at the end. You go into like the castle basement at one point and there's this sewer room that you have to grab a key in with a bunch of bugs in it you have to fight. At the end of the game, you're in a Metroid style, like I have to escape before it blows up situation. And while you're running through the castle, the floor collapses and you end up there and you have to fight one last boss fight. And the end of the game is the plane hanger like collapses into the sewer too and you escape on that plane. So it's this like cool use of everything that's in the castle at the end. But for the most part, it's just this boring, confusing thing that comes into play at the end, and that's pretty cool. But I'm like, the game definitely gets better the further you get into it, but like, it never reaches great heights. You kind of need to hook your players early so that they stick around to get to that yeah, point. Yeah, I'm like, I really, now, now that Jeremy has said it, I really think his idea that they just kind of figured out halfway through what game they were making and then didn't fix it for budget reasons, makes a lot of sense. And as a kid, I bought this game and Devil May Cry 3 used at the same time. I never played this game. I tried a couple times. Every time I went to Devil May Cry 3 instead, because the story is better at hooking you, the gameplay is better at hooking you. It's just a way better game. And while I've never heard this opinion expressed before, when I told my brother I was playing Devil May Cry, he was like, dude, Devil May Cry 2 is way better. And 3 is actually good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to play 2. Because the common opinion of it is it's the bad one. Everything I heard was always, you play one, you skip two, you play three. Yeah. And like, one's not great. It just is really bad at hooking the audience. So they like really hit it on the head there. That's what I was complaining about with the story, is it's never interesting enough for you to want to see what happens next. Navigation is hard. I do legitimately think the combat is fun. But before we wrap up, there's one other thing I want to talk about that's tangent to combat, which is the boss fights. There are three kind of four bosses in this game. I'm counting the, I don't count the final boss for reasons I'll talk about separately. But there are basically three boss fights and they each repeat twice. So you fight each boss three times, basically, in kind of different scenarios. The first one is this spider who... Uh, uh, man, you, you, I don't like this spider because he has... You can't attack him from any angle. And again, I just keep thinking of like Dark Souls because they, they feel similar like difficulty spikes. Uh, or I think it's very fair to compare this game to Dark Souls because I think if you're looking at it like what are Dark Souls influences, I think it's the Legend of Zelda aligned through this game to Dark Souls. <laughs> Actually, I think I think it's Legend of Zelda. Then it hits Berserk, then get this game. And then, OK, it's fair. Berserk. But Berserk isn't a video game. So. No, it's not. Um, but so 
you can have the really really difficult bosses, but you can't you can't attack this thing from any angle. Which apparently there's a bunch of things you can do to attack it, but it doesn't telegraph that you can do that. So it really seemed like the only way to attack it was to either chip it to death with with the handguns, which was a valid strategy for literally every enemy in this game, or um to try to get up close and slash it but because of how bad the camera is it's really really difficult to see the tell when it's going to attack you because you can't see it but like things you can do that you had no idea you could do reflect fireballs back at it reflect fireballs jump on top of it and attack it from a design standpoint this boss is really cool because there are a lot of ways to deal with it it looks neat you can deal with they got all those elements but they never actually signpost anything nothing is signposted it's not like there are other enemies in this game that you like beat by jumping on them and there, there hasn't been an enemy that has projectiles you can reflect yet. Yeah, or that does armored. occur later, but... There are no enemies that are armored up to this point either. And I think the armor is completely fair because it's a boss. There should just be a way to attack it. But it's not like a Zelda-style boss where it has one weakness. It has a lot. And kind of the blending makes it not feel very good. I don't like the armor because I like that more level playing field where, yes, you can attack the boss from anywhere. You don't have any armor. Neither does the boss, but the boss is more strong offensively because it gets offense, you get the human brain. You can learn it can't. Like, that's what I prefer in type in balancing this kind of thing against it. I have always liked bosses with weak points. I mean, it's a very classic well, video game trope. There are so apparently I'm... a couple of Dark Souls bosses that have significant weak points. Yorm the Giant is one that springs to mind, and that one is kind of telegraphed because it's the only boss that, has, that I remember that has an item that you can pick up in the boss room. My problem with this boss, really, is that boss fights should be tests of what you've done so far, and this boss fails at that. There are degrees to which it is. Your evasion tactics for normal enemies work pretty much the same against him, but your offensive tactics have to be completely different. And because of the continue system, this is the one point in the game where I think it's really bad. Because once you run out of continues, you have to redo the whole level before you can fight the boss again. And, and granted, this is where it's kind of long because it's yeah. so early on. And it's still not that long, especially once you know exactly what you have to do. But it is this tedious task in front of getting more tries at the boss. And the boss needs you to try it multiple times. It probably wouldn't be nearly as bad if the camera wasn't as bad. Because there are some instances where this particular room has a lot of pillars and stuff in it, which work really well to use as cover from the boss's projectile attack. But there are like 900 camera angles in this room, and about 95% of them are set up to point at Dante and not at whatever Dante's looking at. That's because Dante looks cool. You gotta have the camera and, on him at all times. And honestly, like, the player character, it goes back to uh, a lot of other games, like Cuphead is another example. Where your character is literally the least important thing that you care about. You don't care what your character looks like or where he is. Because what he's doing and what he is isn't as important as the things that are being fired at you. Because those are what you need to care about. That's actually how I played Mario. I don't look at Mario at all. And one of my heavy criticisms about them reusing the bosses is that this boss gets way easier the next two times you fight him. Because he's got the same weaknesses and you've figured out at least one of them because you beat him the first time. And the rooms are way better for you to fight him in. They don't have as many camera angles. And you have presumably more sweet powers. With all the bosses, the rooms get more and more claustrophobic in order to give you less room to evade. But once you figure out how to evade the attacks, it's not actually a problem. So the boss just like gets two encores that are almost busy work. See, I don't mind them reusing bosses, but you have to make the bosses more powerful. Yeah, in you have to give them new the attacks. Players. Like, the player gets stronger, so when the bosses show up again, the bosses also have to get stronger. So, like, with this phantom, that's what his name is. 
like maybe his first form he doesn't use the, the tail thing which is he'll fire the tail into the ground and it'll be like these pillars that chase you around well that's like with um, a lot of 3d platformers it is like as bosses have stages they'll pick up new tricks in addition to their old tricks right? well that's what i'm saying is that in this case like the second time you fight him maybe he gets this tail attack and maybe the third one he can't reflect his fireballs anymore or something like that and the only one that works that way is the Dark Knight, which is by far the most interesting boss because it is kind of a Dark Style. It is kind of a Dark Souls style fair boss. He has his attacks. You have yours. You can kind of parry his sword attacks by attacking him at the same time. And as you go on through the different stages, he gets more and more attacks. But the other two, Griffin and Nightmare, Griffin is real boring. He's a flying Griffin, exactly what he sounds like. You just shoot him and dodge his attacks, which I guess is a good way to deal with an aerial foe but it makes for a pretty boring boss fight. Night- it's a slog. Nightmare is a little more interesting in that he's the one that feels most like a kind of a Zelda boss. He's like a liquid form that you can't hurt, but there are these little uh, dials around the battlefield and you attack them to create light, which makes him vulnerable and changes what his attacks are. The real problem with him is that while in combat, you will kind of auto-target towards enemies, which makes the dials way harder to hit than is intended. And that's a huge pain in the ass. But again, after you beat him the first time, you've got his number, and so the next two fights are Just not busy much. busy work. I don't know that we talked about movement mechanics much on the mic, like with the double jump and the fact that you can like... And you have a dodge roll, which yeah. is very important. But you can only dodge roll if you're locked on. Yeah, but... Which... That's just a limit of the controls. Yeah, I mean, I, I got it pretty quick, but initially I didn't know you could dodge roll because I didn't know that you had to be locked on in order to use it. Because I was used to, again, going back to Dark Souls, just merrily dodge rolling my way around the map. Or Bayonetta, where you can also just dodge roll roll your way across the map. Yes. I want to talk about the final boss a bit, because he's just different. Uh, This game does the weird thing I understand that video games want to do, but it's a bad idea. Whereas (laughs) the first stage of the final boss is completely different because Dante has awakened his father's demon powers, and it's a Star Fox level now. You fight a Star Fox boss real quick. Where it's just like a full like flying shooter where you fly around, you can now fly, and you have to dodge attacks and shoot this guy. What is this, a Kirby game? I don't want to introduce mechanics new mechanics the on the final boss. Now, if it's one of those things where you unlock these powers at the beginning of the level, so you get a lot of time to practice and play with them before you get to the boss, that's one thing. But then giving you powers and forcing you to fight a boss in a different fashion from you everything you've been fighting up to this point is not great design because the player is now thrown into a situation where they're like i i don't know what to do here it'd be like playing call of duty and all of a sudden being forced to play around a starcraft and it's not that bad because the level's pretty easy and i understand why you want to do it you want to make the climax feel like it's this big different thing like all the other bosses it just doesn't work as a test of what you've learned so far which is what a boss should be doing. And I already talked about the ending. You do a Metroid-style escape, which is pretty cool, and it brings into account all the different, like, sort of set pieces they've brought so far. And then the game's over. Yep. We've talked about this game's shortcomings a lot, because there are a lot of them. But I actually really like this game. I certainly really respect it, having played the entire thing. Oh, I've got my problems with it, but the game handles well enough. I Honestly, yeah, I was gonna say, looking I feel- at the list, I think it starts on the top half. It- I think it might be top quarter. We'll see. I was going to say, like, I feel like we've been dumping on it for a while, but, like, don't get me wrong. 13 to 16-year-old me loved this game. Well, this game is flawed. Like, there's no doubt about it. This game is flawed, but it's flawed in the same way that, like, KOTOR is flawed. Great game, but it's got flaws. Yeah, it's it's only flawed because we figured out how to improve on it since then. And we have. So let's see where it ranks on our list. If you want to see our list where we rank all the video games we've played from best to worst, 
you can visit it at www.lasttimeonvideogames.com. At the top, we have Chrono Trigger, a game with no flaws, unlike this. It does also have swords and guns. Uh, I wouldn't say no flaws. <laughs> At the bottom is City Connection, a game a with a wayward story. A game with mostly flaws. And in the middle is Blades of Steel, which I don't know how to compare to Devil May Cry, except that it has blades in it. I was going to say it has blades. All right, so not too far above uh, Blades of Steel. We have Star Wars Shadows of the Empire, which I think is the only other like 3D action game we have on the list. And I think it's way better than that. I don't know that I'd say way better, but I, th- I think I agree it's better. I'd say it's way better. Although Shadows of the Empire didn't have as bad a camera. Well, mm. it had a bad camera, though. That's like, it true. wasn't as bad. But yeah, no, I think, we, I think we're unanimous that it's better. So since we don't really have, I think, any other games that are super comparable, I'm just going to compare it to all the Capcom games that are higher on the list. Because I think this is really a good synthesis of what Capcom had done up to this point. Are we ab- above or below Resident Evil? At the Resident moment? Evil is the first one that comes up when I'm scrolling up. And I think it's better than Resident Evil as well. I do too. That's why I was asking. You were almost a Jill Sandwich. I didn't say the voice acting or writing was any better. <laughs> I just think the combat system makes it more fun. Well, until they got to Dead Rising, right? That was like Capcom's magnum opus. Dead Rising is so much fun. It <laughs> so is the, so dumb, but it's so much fun. So the next Capcom game on the list is Street Fighter 2, and I actually think that's kind of the ceiling. I don't think it's better than Street Fighter 2. I think it has some comparability, and I think the combat system borrows some technicality from Street Fighter 2, but I think the character design in Street Fighter 2 is way better. I think the versus mode makes it a lot more dynamic. And I think there's a reason why that game is considered a classic, and it holds up much better, in my opinion. I don't like Street Fighter 2 very much, but I think multiplayer gives a game a lot more aspect to it, so I think I'd have to give it to Street Fighter 2 as well. It's also more comprehensible. Um, I, Well, I was going to say Street Fighter 2 kind of defined a genre. I, I, I was going to actually argue in favor of Devil May Cry for, like... Street Fighter 2 was a genre. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you know how many different versions of Street Fighter 2 were released? <laughs> it's fighting game subgenre Street Fighter 2. It's just its own thing. Yeah, Street Fighter 2, semicolon king of fighters. <laughs> Pretty sure that's how that one worked. Okay, so looking through, the game I see that's kind of comparable is Super Castlevania 4. It's got a similar feel. They're both action games, even if they're in different dimensions. How do we think it compares to that? Is that the one that had the eight-directional whipping? Yes. Okay. Um... I think Devil May Cry is better. I think I like it a lot more, at least. Devil May Cry is certainly more interesting to me because, like, Castlevania Four was like kind of rehashing the same themes that we had seen, and it wasn't as well spoken as its predecessors. Look, I guess. you can uh, you can whip in eight directions. What else is new? You can whip in eight directions. Well, you can whip in eight directions, and also it kind of like obviates all the sub items, which I think was bad game design, and like a lot of the rooms were just spectacle. I definitely agree with you guys. So, looking between those, the game that stands out to me to compare it to is Sin and Punishment. Ooh. Ooh, I like this comparison. Uh, yeah, I do too. The story in Sin and Punishment, I think, is actually a lot better, <laughs> even though it's kind of crazy. Well, they both kind of have fixed camera angles, but it makes a lot more sense yeah. in Sin and Punishment. Sin yeah. and Punishment is a running, is a kind of a rail shooter. Yeah. Yeah. My but, instinct says Devil May Cry is a little better, but I don't have a like strong, complete argument for it. Well, that was it, my so. immediate thought too, but I can't actually come up with a solid argument as to why. Yeah, so and I, I do actually have a solid argument as to why, and I think that's because depth of gameplay is actually a lot more in Devil May Cry. There are only so many actions you can take in Sin, is, Sin and Punishment, despite like the general like tightness of the mechanics. Like you, you don't have that many verbs. And, you can do a lot of stuff as Dante. And I did beat Sin and Punishment, so maybe that was the last one I beat, but. <laughs> 
I didn't have the like sense of completeness I did after Devil May Cry, but I think we're in the right area. So two steps above is another rail shooter, and I don't know why I'm just picking that as a point of comparison, but I am, which is Pokemon Snap. Huh. I never I thought I'd be talking about like the relative merits of Pokemon Snap and Devil May Cry. I think Pokemon Snap suffers from too much repetitive gameplay in the game, in a game that's already too short. So I think I'd have to give it to Devil May Cry. Do you have any thoughts, Tyler, or do you want me to go? I mean, you can say some stuff. I'm, I'm trying to form an opinion, frankly. I'm just like, I'm flabbergasted. So I feel like what Pokemon Snap... Pokemon Snap does a lot of stuff well, actually. But I think one of the things that does really well is the feedback it gives you at the end of each level with the, like, measuring your different photos and making you choose ones to submit. And all of Professor Oak's some, of course! Excellent shot! Good job! <laughs> stuff. And, like, I'm just comparing it to... We didn't talk about it as much as we should have, but the ranks it gives you in the combat system in Devil May Cry, which also feel very good. And I don't know what my point is. I'm leaning a little towards Pokemon Snap, but it's not a strong feeling. Yeah, and I'm leaning a little towards Devil May Cry, and it's not a strong feeling, but Zach had a definite opinion, so maybe okay. we go with that. So let's actually go to right below Street Fighter 2, then, and compare it to Kirby Superstar. Uh, Tyler, I feel like you're the most likely to have opinions about this particular uh, cross-section. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I guess Kirby Superstar is probably the best Kirby game but it never gets quite as deep as Devil May Cry does. On the other hand, Devil May Cry suffers from a lot of like mechanical flaws. Yeah, so. I feel like Kirby Superstar wins, in my opinion, just on lack of flaws, which is a weird way to win. But there's nothing really wrong with Superstar. Maybe it's a little too easy, but it kind of does everything you want it to, and it does it well. It's better on average, but it doesn't have quite the same heights. I can't also even have any... remember Kirby Superstar, so I'm going to have to go with Devil May Cry. So what are you feeling, Tyler? You haven't really... Cast a vote. Yeah, no, I did not actually cast a vote because I was so undecided. Um, I think I would probably have to give it to Kirby Superstar just because of, like, variety of gameplay, the way they, like, do level progression by having a bunch of, like, miniature games that all form a complete game. Yeah, I think it's, like, it knows what it is a lot better. It has, understands its identity. Right below Kirby Superstar is X-Men for Arcade, and I kind of think Devil May Cry goes right between them. Because while X-Men for Arcade does a lot well, it has way better bad voice acting, even though I love, I should have been the one to fill your dark soul with light! <laughs> I need an AMV <laughs> with that. I think Devil May Cry is a lot more ambitious and like the combat is a lot more fun. X-Men Arcade is uh, as high as it is, mostly because it's a good time with your friends, but you don't really get anything out of it at the end. Whereas I feel like Devil May Cry, like if you want to make a video game, play this one. It will teach you a lot. Yeah, I think we rated... Honestly, I think we might have overrated X-Men Arcade because we played it as a group right before we recorded. I was a little um, punch drunk when we played that game, to be fair. So I, I do agree. I think Devil May Cry is probably a better game than X-Men. I think it changed video game design a lot because it like kind of brought the anime aesthetic to the forefront. It kind of made action combat games like this more accessible. Which is weird considering how inaccessible this game is in retrospect. It's so weird to me that this was considered a hard game at the time. Because while there are a lot of things that are frustrating about it, the game in the core isn't a hard game. The combat system's pretty easy to master. No, it's like, fun once you do. The bosses are a little frustrating, but they only take a couple attempts. Uh, it gets harder on the higher difficulties, but like I said, do, it doesn't encourage you to play them. The main difficulty and the main antagonist was the camera. It wasn't the boss, it was the camera. If the camera would behave and let me control it more, this game would be simple. So you know what's kind of funny about this is because I've been playing Bayonetta recently, I'm like, oh man, now I remember why I didn't like Devil May Cry. And then I went to play Devil May Cry, I'm like, now I remember why I like Bayonetta. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Devil May Cry goes at number 61, above X-Men for Arcade and below Kirby Superstar. We actually didn't do final thoughts, so I want to do them real quick. Uh, I think you just kind of had yours. Yeah, in the exactly. <laughs> There's part of me that thinks it's a real shame Capcom doesn't know what the hell to do with Devil May Cry. On the other hand, we have Bayonetta, so we're a lot better off than we are with, say, Mega Man, where we have to deal with Mighty Number no. 9 as its weird offshoot successor. So maybe it's okay. Although I, it made me really want to play all the other games in the series. I played a lot of Devil May Cry 3, but I've never touched 2 or 4 or DMC, and I've heard good things now about all of them. So... I think it's a real good launching point for a franchise. And it's a shame we don't have games like that right now. I mean, Devil May Cry was like a huge inspiration in games I wanted to design at some point. Do you have any final thoughts on it, Zach? It's not the worst thing in the world, but honestly, I'd I'd skip this one just because it doesn't really... Unless you want to do some serious battle with the camera... I can't honestly recommend it to anybody. We've spent like an hour talking about this game's faults, but the biggest one, in my opinion, is that if you're going to buy this game today, it's going to be two options above Devil May Cry 3. And there's no reason on earth not to just hit that down button twice. (laughs) Boot up Devil May Cry 3. You'll have a good time. There are ice nunchucks. There are indeed ice nunchucks. I didn't know this. I'm really excited. That's the first weapon you get in Devil May Cry 3, my bro. The only reason why I knew that was because he uses them in Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Anyway. That does it for Devil May Cry. Zach, what are we going to play next week? So I figure I want to play a strategy-ish game. And so I was perusing Steam earlier and uh, Rise of Nations is on there. It's an RTS style game, a little bit along the same lines as like Civ, where you can start in the Stone Age and you progress to the Modern Age. But it's more... RTS along the lines of Age of Empires. Yeah, it's kind of like it, yeah, ah, Age of Empires was the game I was going to compare it to, right? I think mm-hmm. I know this game. Yeah, I was going to say it's I was kind of World War II ish, or am I making that up? I, I think, think you're you might be up. making that up. You okay. can get to World War II and timeline, but I was looking at screenshots and it reminded me a lot of Age of Empires. It's one of those games that does this because the other one, other big one that I can think of is Empire Earth, and I don't think that one's available anywhere. If it is, we'll probably have to play it at some point, but not this time around. So Empire or not Empire. I'm getting myself all kinds of tongue-tied and confused. Rise of Empire. Rise of Nations is the next one. So next time on Last Time, rise from your nation. This has been a production of Last Time on Video Games. Copyright 2018. All games, movies, and other media mentioned in this podcast are copyright their respective owners. If you wish to listen to more episodes, visit us at www.lasttimeonvideogames.com where you can see the entire archive. If you wish to get in contact with us, you can email us at ltovg at lasttimeonvideogames.com. This episode is over. Try listening to another one? They're they're good explanation, man. I should probably just stop saying. There, that should be easy to find. Um.